Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. <laughs> Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. Hey listeners, today we're going to talk about grief and what that looks like in children, how to talk to your kids about grief, and just how to deal with grief in general. In the studio, we have two wonderful women from Rays of Hope with us today. We have Kathleen and Jesse. Hello. Hi there. If you could, starting with you, Jesse, if you will introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Rays of Hope. Um, my name is Jesse Morgan. I'm the director at Rays of Hope Children's Grief Center, and I've been there about three years. And my name is Caitlin Fanning. I am the program coordinator, and I just started in June. Welcome to the show. Tell us what Rays of Hope is and what you guys do. What are some of the programs that you guys offer? Um, so Rays of Hope Children's Grief Center, we're an outreach of Hospice of Midland. Um, we serve children ages 4 to 18 who have experienced really any type of loss or change, death, divorce, separation, parents being incarcerated, parents being deployed, foster care, so any type of painful transition. Um, everything we do is completely free of charge. Um, we are not counseling or therapy. We rely on people like centers to kind of take that next step, but we do provide peer support groups for our kiddos. And I'll let Caitlin kind of explain the programs we do throughout the year. Uh, we have several programs throughout the year. Um, our main one is called HopeWorks. It's a 10-week program um, that we just go through different emotions, different um, challenges, and they have a different topic each week that they go through with their their facilitator and kids their, their age who have gone through the same thing. Um, and we have summer camps. We have three different summer camps. Um, we have a program called Tools of Expression where we focus on different tools of expression, so art, uh, music, um, journaling, photography. Um, we have a foster care program called Fostering Hope. Uh, what else do we have? <laughs> and we have family workshops. That is um, where we just kind of bring the families in together. So we usually focus them on something like around the holidays or back to school, back to, not back to summer, but kicking off summer. Um, and just bring them in as a family, have activities set up for them that help facilitate that discussion, and they all come in together. We also have Creative Wednesday every Wednesday at Rays of Hope. Um, we, once again, have activities set up for the families. This one we do not help facilitate. It is just helps guide conversation, but they do it together as a family. And then we have some therapy dogs that visit during that time. We have a music therapist that they can see during that time. So we always have something going on. And what are some of the most common reasons that children may be experiencing grief? Melly, do you want to give us some statistics? Sure. Um, national statistics um, in 2017, the stats indicate that around 23,000 parents left 23,200 dependent children. These numbers are for children affected by divorce and death. Death, divorce, and separation can all lead to cognitive, emotional, spiritual, behavioral, and physical issues, which may manifest as a pro as problem behaviors in children. And 
I don't think we always think about divorce. When you think about grief and children experiencing grief, you automatically think about death, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's really astounding. And Jesse, can you talk a little bit more about that? You've seen firsthand a lot of the reasons why children come to Rays of Hope for different situations. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What are some of the most common reasons that you see? Um, so we see kind of a variety. I would say it's very cyclical. Um, our numbers kind of change. Last year, our largest number was kids that were experiencing divorce or separation. Um, we have kind of switched back to death right now. But our our top two, I would say, issues that we see are death and divorce slash separation. Um, but we also see kiddos for incarceration. We see a large percentage of kiddos for incarceration. Um, and we see a large percentage of kiddos for foster care. And even here in Midland, we do see some kiddos that parents are deployed and, mm -hmm. you know, they have moved back with a parent here while their parent is deployed. Um, so we kind of see a variety of issues right now in Midland. Um, there have been just some serious tragedies and issues such as that. So I think that kind of swings back to our death being the largest population we serve. And Christy, if you want to talk about what what does something like death or divorce, how does that play a part in a child's mental health? Well, I mean, if you if you think about all the the things that Jesse just talked about, all the reasons that there could be a separation or divorce or death or deployment, those things are going to have a different effect on children um, because they're not developmentally able to understand what all of that means, right? So they're they're going to, you know, maybe act out at school or they're not going to sleep, they're not going to eat and we're going, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Because they don't have the, and they don't have the ability sometimes to verbalize their fear. So I think what's great about the Rays of Hope um, program is they provide all the modalities. We're going to use art therapy, music therapy, dog therapy, um, anything that we can to help journaling, anything that we can do to help you pull that out of inside and get that outside so we can help you manage that. That's when we can step in and say, what's, you know, this is what's going on. And I think we can help you with that. So programs that are like activity based that kind of helps a child figure out what's going on internally than maybe like a clinical type situation where like if they were just coming to talk to you in an office or something like that. Uh, that's exactly what it does. I think also the another beauty of Rays of Hope is that they're in like age, peer age groups. So they don't feel alone because sometimes kids think I'm the only one who's ever experienced this. My parents are the only ones who have ever divorced or my, you know, I lost my dad or my grandparents or whatever it might be, my sibling. I'm the only one. So whenever they're in a, a room with other people that are saying, this is what happened to me. And they're going to go, oh, it happened to you too. I don't feel so alone. And I think that that sometimes. Now, they're going to also sometimes find kids that are just, the grief is so heavy, they can't really participate in that kind of situation either. And then that's when these people are trained, these ladies are trained to know this is beyond the scope of what we can provide. This is a need for, for counseling. So that's whenever Rays of Hope kind of partners with centers and you guys work together for that child to figure out how you can help them just be a friend to them while they're going through a tough time. Right. So um, a lot of our kiddos are also seen by centers and other counseling agencies um, because there are just some issues that peer support is just not enough for mm -hmm. that. But what we do, they're allowed to go to our program while they receive that help. Um, but what they do at Rays of Hope is they do, they connect with someone else. When you're a kid, especially when you're a teen, you already feel like 
you're completely alone. When you're going through grief as a teen, you feel like you're on another planet. So part of what the beauty of Rays of Hope is, is that you bring kiddos in together and they start to realize they're not alone. There's other people going, you know, through some really hard things and they start to form that relationship. And I think another piece we've seen, a lot of our teens graduate into kind of facilitating some of the younger kids' classes um, because a huge part of grief is also trying to kind of find a purpose for your pain. And so I think that is one great thing about peer support as well is it not only allows you to kind of work through what you're going through, but it allows you to say, hey, this is what worked for me or this isn't what worked for me and um, just kind of help others while you're going through that. And that, of course, nothing ever makes the loss or change better, but it does. If you can find a purpose for that pain, then it makes it a little... I don't want to say easier, but it it's just easier kind of to find a focus in that season. It, and it's nice to see another student, like you said, an older person who has graduated, come back and say, look, there is, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel through the support group. Caitlin, if you want to tell us a little bit more about the importance of those, the peer groups, what have you seen? How have you seen that work? I think it's just a, it's a really special thing for a kid to walk into a room with kids who are their own age that have said, Hey, I've gone through this and let's just talk about it. Let's, let's get it out. And, um, I mean, just express how we're feeling. Cause I, I mean, growing up, I didn't want to talk to adults about what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, having someone your age to say, this just isn't great. Like life just isn't going the way I thought it would. I think that that is a really special thing for them. And I think a lot of times, especially when we were talking about teenagers, they don't want one more adult coming at them saying, oh, let's talk about it. You know, come, come sit in my office or come, let's, you know, do whatever. They have somebody else that, you know, goes, this really sucks. Or this is the worst thing I've ever gone to. And it's affected, you know, like I, I can't hang out with my friends or, you know, things like that. So somebody else to go, yeah, I've been there. So sit by me. Let's talk. We're going to be going to these classes maybe for the next 10 weeks or, or whatever. So let's, let's kind of hang out and then, and then we can talk outside of here as well. So I've been connected um, to Rays of Hope since like 2000. So I, I facilitated uh, the adult class. And back then, the motto, I mean, is the motto still I didn't? Okay, so you, you want to talk about the motto and then we can go from there? Yeah, so our motto is I didn't cause it, I can't fix it, I can cope with it, and that gives me hope. And um, if you go into our building at 900 West Wall, it's kind of on every single wall you mm -hmm. see. Um, it's in every art project the kids do, because that is really what we're trying to instill in the kids is, you know, you didn't cause whatever is happening. Um, they're just little people that are overcome by huge circumstances. And they um, can't fix it. And they can't fix That's it. Right. And so we want them to know, hey, this isn't anything you did and this isn't anything you can fix, but you can still learn to live a life. Um, life is not over. It's still, we do activities. Um, with a piece of foil and with slime that we pretty much give it to them and we say, okay, mash it up. And of course it doesn't look the same as it did before, but we talk about, can you still use it? Is it still as functional as it was before? It just looks different. So we just want them to know that this isn't your fault and this isn't a situation you put yourself in, but that doesn't mean that life is just over and there's no hope or happiness to be found. Where I was really going with that was just to talk about what the motto was. And I think that that says it. And, you know, as adults, we can say that and go, I get it. But, you know, sometimes you've got to get the kiddos in and actually teach them what that means. You know, you didn't cause it because sometimes they feel like they did. You know, if you if somebody doesn't, if, you know, a caring, sensitive adult does not step in and, and say something, everything, in, depending on the developmental age, is like everything is about what did I do? 
you know, or how is this going to affect me? So if somebody doesn't step in and say, you didn't cause this, or even if they were somewhat responsible and what if there was a situation that they might have, they need somebody to come in and, and immediately start working with them. Mm-hmm. And then if they say, you can't fix this, it's that whole, because everybody wants to fix it. I think I can fix it. Whenever you say you can't, don't waste your time trying. Well, we're going to help you figure out a way to cope with it and then to have hope for for the future, which is, is huge because grief is such, such a like in your head kind of thing. And whenever you guys use the activity, just like play therapy, they get it out there and that makes sense. And then they can make the jump mm-hmm. to understanding it. And grief is just such an uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. So like you said, some kids come in and they've never heard that it wasn't their fault because maybe they've never even been talked to about it. A right. lot of people don't talk about grief until it's already knocked on the front door and it's almost, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's already happened and they've already had that initial reaction without kind of that initial education in front of it. And so that is an important piece of it is just bringing them in and saying, hey, this isn't your fault mm-hmm. and no one caused this. And that's usually um, kiddos that struggle with that. We do refer out for counseling a lot on that because sometimes they just need that extra support. And like you said, a supportive adult in their life saying, hey, this isn't your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a question. So when it grief, because grief does have a little bit of, I don't know, that uncomfortable feeling surrounding it, whether for whoever, whomever it is, how would you, um, how do we approach children that are dealing with that? Um, do you have any suggestions for that for family members or friends not to, so that I'm sure you kind of get what I'm, what I'm saying. Like not so much so parent not, to no, kid. Yeah. But just on the outside. To, okay. When you have to address that, I think it's difficult enough sometimes with the other adults to know how to address that touchy subject. But I'm wondering if you have any tips for how, to, how family members can deal with children um, at home. Yeah. So I think the first step is like creating a safe space to have that conversation. We probably don't want to have that conversation in the middle of like the school cafeteria with all their friends Mm -hmm. around, you know, so either going home or wherever your family's comfortable, if it's at a park, wherever it is, and kind of just the first step is having the conversation. That's the hard part. And then um, being honest as age appropriate, Um, because if you're not honest, kind of from the get go, eventually whatever untruths were told, those will kind of be unraveled and that will create more issues later for the kiddos who say, you know, hey, you didn't tell us this part or our friend from school, we live in a social media era. So they're going to go to school in a week and they're going to find out exactly what happened because they, they or their parents saw it on Facebook. So having that conversation, being honest about it, um, correcting inaccurate information, lots of kiddos pick up things that may or may not be true and gently saying, hey, you know, this is the part of the story that's true and this is what's not. Um, and allowing a safe space to have, to ask questions. And if you don't know the answer to that question, saying, I'm so sorry, I don't know, because it's better to say, I don't know, than it is to create more questions or, like I said, to share some untruths. Sure. And just, you know, kind of creating that safe environment and having that conversation multiple times. When you're talking about grief, that is not over. Like, okay, we had that conversation. Great. We're done with that forever. That's you gotta something. Be ready. Yes. And answer the questions over and over. And mm-hmm. as a therapist, I think what I get hit with a lot of time with, with kiddos that come in is they're like, but what happens now? You know, it's like, you know, as I alluded to earlier, they are worried about how does this affect me? Mm-hmm. So my grandpa always picked me up from school. 
but we didn't talk about who's going to pick me up from school and I'm going to be going to school soon. And so their anxiety level is going to go up. So it's like, you know, yes, things have changed. Grandpa died. You know, he picked you up from school. We will make sure that there is someone that is picking you up from school and you will know who that is going to be before yeah. you go to school. So you, I just think we don't always think about, you know, where they are developmentally, the things that they're thinking about, which mm-hmm. creates all that anxiety. So, Because like you said, developmentally, they're worried about how does this affect my life? Mm-hmm. And we, we tell that to parents a lot in our parent group is get one of those like wall calendars you can hang up and you write down who picks them up because right. the first time mom's supposed to pick them up and Aunt Susie shows up, yeah. what is that kid going to think the second they see that? You know, mm-hmm. something else has happened. And so I think just meeting them developmentally where they are, you're not going to tell a 13-year-old the same thing you would tell a four-year-old. So just kind of, you know, knowing what's age appropriate to share with your kids, but having that conversation and having it multiple times, like you said. And do you see that a lot, Christy, with children that come to you? Are the parents honest with them or do you have to pick up a lot of the pieces? Well, here's the thing. It's probably about 50-50 because parents don't, you're not prepared how to answer that sometimes if it's a tragic, you know, a real tragedy or, you know, just a traumatic event that, that happens, like they are trying to deal with their own grief and they're not prepared for what to do. And sometimes, you know, they'll bring the child in and the child's going, I don't even know why I'm here. I just know my mom cries mm. all the time or, you know, yeah, you, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know how to fix this. Or I don't know how to do anything. I always just try to tell people. Be prepared. Think about it. I mean, somebody, sometimes, somewhere, something's going to happen. And what we hope happens for our for our young children is that maybe they'll have a pet that dies that opens the door, and you can talk a little bit about, you know, death or you know, death, cat, dog, goldfish, whatever it is. But if you know you're six, seven, eight years old and you've never had anything die, and all of a sudden it's something that's primary in your life, it's going to be very hard if you're parent or somebody can't talk to you about it in an open and honest way. So is is that a helpful tip if a kid who has a pet that dies, is that a good way to start the death conversation? No, I learned, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up out in the country with animals and, you know, they died and I was taught, you know, about the circle of life and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And this is how you say goodbye and you can cry and you can be sad and then you can feel better and you can be sad again, you know? And so that's how ideally before it is a, someone that well, and I understand doing it the wrong way as a parent, too, because, um, well, my son was in the hospital for some time, and my daughter's uh, fish died, and so we just lied. <laughs> fish yeah. went to the spa. I don't even remember what it said, <laughs> but, I mean, it had been so long, and she'd ask about it and ask mm-hmm. about it, and finally we just, she quit asking, but here, I kid you not, recently, she's 13 now, and this is like seven years ago, she's like, my fish died, didn't it? Well, <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, yeah your fish died. Died at the spa. Yeah. <laughs> died at the spa. I'm so sorry. Like Christy was saying, it's a good way to open that door yeah. for the future. Definitely. And say, look, look, we got through the passing of our family pet. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get through this together. Mm-hmm. Jesse, can you take us through just a day to day when a child, let's say a new a new child comes to you guys that's experiencing a death in the family? What's the first step that you guys take? So um, as far as getting started with Rays of Hope, it's really simple. You do not have to have like a professional referral source or anything. They can just call us. They can message us on Facebook. They can email us. um, Just kind of whatever's easiest for them. And we will set them up with what we call just our initial appointment. So they'll come in. It's about 30 minutes. We'll just talk through, you know, what's happened. We want to find out what the kiddos know. And we want to make sure that they know um, at least that the 
death or whatever issue has occurred because they are going to be coming into a group where everyone is going to be saying why they're there and eventually they're going to put together I might be here for that reason. So we want to make sure that before they enter our programs, they are fully aware of, you know, what's going on in their family. And um, from that point, depending on kind of where we're at in the year, um, we will enroll them in programs. We have Hope Works starting in September. So let's just say um, they're starting in Hope Works September. So um, kiddos who have experienced a death come on Thursday nights and it starts at seven. They come into the building, parents drop them off at the door. Um, parents can go to class while kiddos go to class. And we really, it just depends on what the theme is of the week. So HopeWorks focuses on different themes of grief. So um, we're going to touch on like fear, anger, trust, um, changes, feelings, kind of just every theme of grief that goes along with that. And in class, they'll have just kind of open up time where they, you know, you're new to the group, so you're getting to know each other. And then um, really just establishing those relationships. And as we d- delve further into the next weeks, they go in and they have either like a worksheet or, um, you know, a fun activity, usually a worksheet or a fun activity and just a lot of group discussion time. And we help facilitate that, but always something really fun that gets them there. Like on anger night, we make something explode. Um, (laughs) so, you know, just something that's fun, but that they can also, that's tangible and they can say, Oh, this is what's happening inside of me when I feel this way. And then, um, parents pick them up and they go home. We usually meet weekly. So, um, like I said, there's a few different programs they can be involved in throughout the year, but that's kind of what a typical night looks like. And can they continue to join in on those programs um, as often as they want, or is there a time frame that you guys try to stay in? Um, They can. So we do ask that they commit to a program. So like HopeWorks, it's a 10-week program, so we ask that okay. they commit to that full 10 weeks. But once they're done, that's only a 10-week program. So we're not like, okay, great job, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how grief works. We have kids that have been coming to us for 10 years, you know, that come for kind of a refresher every summer or whatever program. Um, so they can stay involved with us as long as their family needs. And like I talked about earlier, a lot of them kind of graduate into the next step of saying, hey, how can we get involved and give back? Mm-hmm. I think that that's really neat that it's a program, but you can still continue as often as you need it because things like grief need to be talked about as much as a child needs to. It could, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, Christy, it could come up a year later, come up many years later. Let's say that you've had that conversation with your child about, look, here's the facts. I'm here if you need anything. What are some of the signs you can look for as a parent that maybe uh, our conversations aren't enough? Well, sometimes there's a lot of questions about death, you know, and especially if they're not having, I mean, if they're having trouble sleeping or if their performance in school goes down or they're not really getting the same enjoyment out of, you know, everyday things that they previously had. I think it is time whenever that you sit down and you say, I've noticed these things. So, you know, and then kind of give them some words, you know, is this, are you sad? Are you, you know, are you still thinking about Nana? Are you worried about dad who's deployed or whatever it is? And then and they can look at you and go, yes. And then you know that you've hit the nail on the head. And sometimes they could say, no, I had a fight with my friend at school. You know, just depending on what it is. But you are it's really up to you to pursue it, not go, oh, they're still a little sad. But they're going to bed, you know, and, and you let it go. So you've got to be, um, got to be reading your child or your teenager. And that's harder because mm-hmm. when the teenager's like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? Let's get in the car. Let's go to Sonic. Let's go somewhere, get a Coke. Let's go get some ice cream or whatever. We're just going to be, you know, we're going to be together. If you want to talk, we're going to talk, but you cannot just let them withdraw mm-hmm. into, into that. 
And I see that you've listed repeated statements about wanting to join the deceased person. Sure, because what do we all say? Especially if somebody's been sick, they're in a better place. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how great what, What's a better is. place? Yeah. Yeah. What's a better place? If it's better and my mom or, you know, whatever, I want to go there. Yeah. So, you know, once again, whenever developmentally, if, you know, if, 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 oh, if, it's, wow. if it's, you know, out there and it's, you know, kind of like I don't totally grasp the concept, except people, 25 people said she's in a better place. Mm-hmm. So is that... You know, that like Disneyland is, well, you know, whatever that is, heaven is, is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, you have to know that that's consuming a great deal of their thinking and their emotional ability to tend to other things. So you've got to be aware of those things. Mm-hmm. And Jesse, can kids of all ages come to Rays of Hope? Ages four to 18. And then, like I said, we have um, a parent component that goes along with that parent guardian component. And they can both attend a program? Yes. Caitlin and Jesse, if you guys want to just give us some information about where you guys are located and how we can contact you. We are located at 900 West Wall Street, and our phone number is 432-684-5437. And you can find us online at raiseofhopemidland.org. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Raise of Hope Midland. Um, So we're everywhere out there. Center Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas. Post-production work is done by Bailey Hennis and Abby Wiggum. Content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards. Contact Centers for Children and Families at 432-570-1084 or the Recording Library 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X dot O-R-G. Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.